Well, the title of an article from usafacts.org published on January 23rd, 2020 said this. For the first time in nearly a decade, women held more jobs than men. The article said that the last time there were more women than men in the workforce was during the Great Recession in 2009 and 2010. But the article ended with this sentence. While the data shows how labor participation for women and men are going in opposite directions, it also shows how, how the American economy is adding jobs in industries that employ more women than men. What is going on in our society? I'll tell you. Society is telling women that they need to do the job of a man. Because they can do the job either just as well or better than a man. Society is telling women that they need to act like men and fight on the front lines of our battlefields. Society has taken the apron off of women and replaced it with a self-fulfilling superhero costume. Society is telling women that they need to stop caring for their home and go into the workplace. Society is telling women that they need to stop raising their children and let the state or a daycare center handle that. What society is telling women is to stop living out the role that God has given them because that role has no virtue, it has no value, and it has no honor. But this morning, I want to show you that God has designed the role of a woman to be very virtuous, very valuable, and very honorable. God has called women to be a wife, a mother, and a homemaker. And I want to show you how honorable that calling is in a woman's life and what that honorable woman looks like. As we'll see, it's, it's the very opposite of what society is telling you today. What society is telling all women today. It's the very opposite. This morning we're going to be looking at Proverbs 31, the honorable woman of Proverbs 31. And I've titled this message here, Honor in the Home. Honor in the Home. And I want to encourage you with God's Word and what He has to say about being an honorable woman. Woman, listen ladies, we need to stop looking to society to see what an honorable woman is. And we need to start looking to God's word because God tells us what an honorable woman is. He's the one who has established womanhood, not society. Society is not the author of womanhood. God is the author of womanhood. And clearly not the feminist movement. In fact, I heard a quotation this week that says this, there is nothing feminine in the feminist movement. But God does tell us what women are to be like. He tells us how he has designed women to be. And he gives us a picture of the honorable woman in Proverbs 31. 
And so we're going to be working our way through Proverbs 31, and we're going to see six characteristics of the honorable woman this morning that Lemuel's mother tells him to find. Now, before we jump into Proverbs 31, and, and the, the main passage, the main text is going to be verses 10 through 31, but before we jump into that, I want to highlight just three observations for you from Proverbs 31. First, I want you to see what is going on in Proverbs 31, especially in verses 1 through 9. Notice Proverbs 31.1. Look at what it says there. The words of King Lemuel, the oracle which his mother taught him. These words are most likely penned by King Lemuel, but they are the words from his mother. Right from the beginning of Proverbs 31, before we even get down to see what the honorable woman looks like, we already see how important the role of a mother is. Very important role. Everything that Lemuel tells us here are words of wisdom from his own mother. These are not the words of some male chauvinist king who is demanding that women serve him. It's not what is going on in this passage. These are the words of a mother. A mother who is passing wisdom down to her son because she loves him and she cares for him and she wants the best for him. And it would be wise for both men and for women to learn this wisdom so that we can see what God has called the honorable woman to be. The second thing I want to highlight for you is verses 10 through 31. This passage, this, this passage the honorable woman, is actually poetry. This is poetry. And then this poem is written as an acrostic poem, meaning this. Every line of this poem begins with the succeeding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Old Testament, so we're in Hebrew. It would begin with the, the Hebrew letter alpha, or, or aleph, then baith, then Gimel, then Daleth, and so on and so on, like our ABCs. And why would it be written this way? Listen, ladies. Because Lemuel wanted this to be memorized. He writes it this way as a tool for you to memorize it. For the Hebrew women to memorize this. Starting each new line with the next letter of the alphabet would help you to memorize this. But sadly, the truths that are given in this poem have long been forgotten. But my prayer for you this morning is that you would learn this, that you would memorize this, the truths that are here in this poem, so that you can live these out in your life. Third highlight in observation is this. Everything that this woman does centers around her home. It all centers around her home. I want you to notice verse 15. She rises also while it's still night and gives food to her household. Verse 21, she's not afraid of the snow for her household, for her household are clothed with scarlet. Verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household. As one commentator says, her ultimate goal was to care for and provide for her household. That's her ultimate goal. Now, does she do work outside of the home? Yes, she does. She does. 
but she doesn't do her work in a manner that causes her to neglect her home. She does it to care for her home and to provide for her home. It all centers around her devotion to her home. The home is the woman's domain. The home is where the woman rules and where the woman manages. She's called to take care of her home and make her home something special, a special place where her husband loves to be and where her children are well taken care of. In fact, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.14, Therefore I want younger widows to get married, bear children, keep house, and give the enemy no occasion for reproach. Then in Titus 2, 4, and 5, Paul tells the older women that they are to encourage the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, be sensible, pure workers at home. Now, to be clear, this does not mean that women are to be locked up in the home and never let out. (laughs) It's not what I'm saying here. As we're going to see, and we work our way through Proverbs 31, we're going to see what this woman does as, as, shall, as how she even goes outside of the home and what she does outside of the home. But as we will see, her ultimate goal is to care for and to provide for her home. Her life centers around her home. And there are lots of responsibilities to be done to keep up a home. I'm learning that this weekend. <laughs> Sarah is gone. First-hand experience. It's hard work. I know that people have thought that Sarah just sits around and twiddles her thumbs all day. And many people have even told her or asked her this question. When are you going to get a real job? She's heard it. Maybe some of you have heard that. But sadly, these people don't understand and they don't know what it takes to keep up a home. They don't know the hard work that it takes to care for and provide for a family in the home. They don't know what it takes to manage a home. It takes a lot of hard work. And women are to be honored for this role. This is an honorable role that God has given them. And so let's look at these six characteristics of an honorable woman. First, the woman is an honorable wife. She's an honorable wife. Look at verse 10. An excellent wife who can find, for her worth is far above jewels. Now, some people look at this question, and they think that Lemuel is asking this question because it's an extremely difficult task to find an excellent wife. Almost as if this woman doesn't exist. Some people even say that the excellent wife is a fictitious woman. They will say that. But that is not why Lemuel asks this question. Why does he ask this question? Because he wants to draw our attention to the value of this virtuous and honorable woman. He's not saying that an excellent wife is impossible to find. Why would Lemuel's mother tell him to find a woman like this if she were impossible to find? That word excellent there in the Hebrew means a woman of strength. And here it's speaking to her strong character. 
her noble character as a wife. It speaks of a woman who has a, a strong impact as a wife on her family and on her community because of her love for her husband and her passion for other people. And Lemuel asked this question, who can find? Because it serves to point to the value of this wife, which is why he says, for her worth is far above jewels. What he's saying here is, she is priceless. She is priceless. She is magnificent. She is worth more than the most precious jewels that you could find on the face of the earth. And a husband who has a wife like this is a blessed man because he has found a priceless gem. Which is why verse 11 says, The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. This virtuous wife has an impact on many people, as we're going to see. But more than any other person, she has a great impact on her husband. And what's that relationship then? What does he do? He trusts in her. He trusts in her. He trusts her with the home. He trusts her with the finances. He trusts her with the children. And all of their domestic life, he trusts his wife because she is an honorable and virtuous woman. What's interesting in this whole poem is that the husband is not seen much except for his influential position in verse 23, in which he's in the city, which seems to show that he was able to attain this position as he's working in the city, as he has an influence on the city, because of the reputation of his wife. He attains this position because of the reputation of his wife. She is a virtuous wife, a hard-working woman at home, which freed him up to be wise and honest and hard-working outside of the home. He's also seen in verse 28 where he praises his wife and tells her that she is the greatest of all women. She is so influential in the home that it reflects on her husband and all he can do is praise her for it because she's an amazing woman. Notice at the end of verse 11, and he will have no lack of gain. He needs nothing else. This husband doesn't go looking for anything else to fulfill him because she fulfills all of his needs. She is everything to him. And his home is filled with wealth. Not because of his income, not because of her income, but because he has a priceless wife whose worth is far above jewels. As verse 12 says, she does him good and not evil all the days of her life. This woman is an honorable wife. And she loves her husband. And he loves her. Second, she's an honorable homemaker. She's an honorable homemaker. As I said, the enemy is telling women that they need to abandon the home. But God says that a woman is to care for and to manage the home. That is her domain. That is where she flourishes. In the home. 
Look at verse 13. She looks for wool and flax and works with her hands in delight. In ancient times, women didn't have access to home goods or marshals or Hobby Lobby. (laughs) So they had to make their own items for their home. They made everything in the home. And the wool and, and the fibers of the flax were used to make clothing. But this woman doesn't have access to sheep or to fields of flax. So what does she do? Notice, she looks for them. She goes and looks for wool and flax. Simply put, she goes shopping. This is a woman who loves to shop. And she went out and she bought the wool and the flax to use the fibers to spin together clothing and bed sheets and curtains, and all of the other things that are needed for the home. She did all of that. And how did she do it? Notice what it says there. With her hands. She does it all with her hands. And how does she respond to the work that God has given her to do in her home? Notice what it says there. She does it in delight. She delights in this work. It's a delight to her. She finds pleasure in the labors of her hands and serving her home in this way. Verse 14 says she's like merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. What is this verse talking about? It's not talking about her stature as being one like a merchant ship. It's not what he's saying here. But it's speaking about her ability to go out and to find foods that were a delight to her family. She sought out food that wasn't just plain, old, boring food. Eating the same thing every single night. But she delighted in finding exotic food. Food that it was a delight for her family to eat. Her husband and her children desired certain foods and she went out to go and find them. And then she brought them home and made the meal for them. She didn't just slap some plain old bland meal down on the table every night and tell everyone to eat up. It's not what she did. She delighted in going and finding exotic food, food that her family loved and desired. And she came home and gave it to her family. She sought out food that brought delight and joy to her whole family. Look at verse 15. She rises also while it is still night and gives food to her household and portions to her maidens. Now you have to understand that in ancient times, they did not have electricity and lights like you and I have today in our homes. So daylight was very precious. It was very precious in those days. And this woman rose while it is still night, meaning she got up before the sun rose. And she began meal preparations for the day so that her family was well fed. This is a hardworking woman. And she thought of her own family's needs before she thought of the needs of her own. What an honorable and virtuous woman. Notice she also had maidens, servant girls. These girls most likely worked out in the field that she bought which we're going to see in the next verse. But she provides meals for them as well. She provides for her family, 
And she provides even for these servant girls that are there in her home. John Kitchen, author and pastor, says this, It seems odd to some that a woman wealthy enough to afford household servants is up early preparing food. However, she views her resources not as a license for personal ease, but as a gift demanding personal responsibility. We all would do well to learn from her. We all would do well to learn from this woman. Look at verse 16. Now we come to this field. She considers a field and buys it. From her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's a businesswoman as well. She goes out and she buys a field. But notice this at the beginning of verse 16. Notice it says she considers a field. That is, she plans this out. That is, this is a vision of hers. To one day own a field and to plant a vineyard in that field. She considers it and she weighs out the cost of this field. But not just the financial cost, but whether or not this will cost her family. She is so devoted to her family that she doesn't want to do anything that will take away from her family. But all she wants to do is benefit her family. That's what she's focused on. And so she buys a field from her earnings. And we would ask, what earnings? Well, look at verse 24. Notice what it says there in verse 24. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies belts to the tradesmen. This woman had a little side business going on where she made linen belts and then she supplies them to the tradesmen. Notice she's not outside of the home all day, busy at work selling these belts. She's not the CEO of a company. She's not leaving her home every morning to go out into the marketplace and spend all day in the marketplace selling these things. But who does she supply them to? Notice what it says there. She supplies them to tradesmen. Tradesmen who would come from time to time throughout the town. They would come through town and she would meet up with these tradesmen and she would then sell these belts to them so that they could then take those belts that she made and go and sell them throughout the world as they continued on. She possibly even put her maidservants to work helping her to produce these belts. But she makes a profit as she supplies these tradesmen with these belts, who then go and take these out and sell them throughout the world. And then notice what she does with her money. She takes all of her money and spends it on herself. No, she doesn't do that. She doesn't do that. What does she do? She buys a field from her own earnings. Not the earnings of her husband, but from her own earnings, she goes and buys a field. Why does she do this? Notice, so she can plant a vineyard. She plants a vineyard. Why? Why would she then go plant a vineyard? Well, not only to supply the needs for her family, but also to make an investment for the family. She's looking to the future of her own family. Not just looking to the needs that they have now, but even looking to the future. Making sure that the future of her family will be well taken care of. 
She loves her family. This field, sure, it would have been used to benefit the family. But even in the future, it would be able to be sold. Which then she would give back to the family. To make sure that her family was taken care of. Verse 17, notice what it says in verse 17. She girds herself with strength and makes her arms strong. In the ancient Near East, they didn't have running water in homes. And so they had to go to a well to go and get water. And it was usually the woman's job to go and get water for the family and for the animals. She would fill a pitcher with water from the well as she went down to the well. And then she would fill that pitcher and carry it back either on her shoulders or on her head. Count your blessings, ladies. To turn on a faucet is a blessing. But this was hard work. Hard work for this woman to provide for her family. A simple, basic need like water. She worked hard. And this hard work would have made her arms strong. Along with all the other work that she did around the home. We even see in verse 19, look at what it says there. She stretches out her hand to the distaff. And her hands grasp the spindle. She's working hard to make her own yarn and fabric for her own household. Then in verse 18, it says, She senses that her gain is good. Her lamp does not go out at night. Now, some will say, see, there it is. Verse 18, her lamp does not go out at night. Some will say, this is a fictitious woman. She just works all night long. Never sleeps. But that's not what this is saying here. That's not what this is saying. Since they didn't have electricity in these times, they had to use candles. They had to use candles. And they would usually have a flask that was filled with oil or animal fat with a wick in it that the woman, the, the mother, the wife would light. She would light it at night when the sun would go down. And that candle then would burn all night long. Why? Why would she have a candle that would burn all night long in her home? Well, they didn't have electricity, which means they don't have little night lights. So if somebody had to get up in the middle of the night, that light would be there, that candle would be there, so that somebody could get up and do whatever they needed to do in the middle of the night. And so it was practical. It was practical for this family to have this lamp going all night long. But that light also provided security for the home. Because if a robber was to come by the home, he would look and see there's a light on in that house. I'm going to keep going. And so that woman was even looking out for her own home and guarding and protecting it against thieves, against robbers who would come in. But this light here also symbolized prosperity and well-being. If a home did not have a candle burning in it at night, the thought was that there was some disaster or financial ruin, or the thought would even be there is a lazy woman who lives in that house. So this is not a fictitious woman that Lemuel's mother is talking about. This is a woman who cares for her home. 
who loves those in her home. And by saying that her lamp does not go out at night, God is not saying here that a woman can never sleep. She needs to sleep. This is an honorable woman who's been working hard all day long. And she would have slept well at night. How do we know? Look at the beginning of verse 18. She senses that her gain is good. She senses that her gain is good. This means that her business dealings are all in order. Her vineyard is producing. Her home is in order. And she has a wonderful relationship with her husband and with her children. And so how does she sleep at night? Like a baby. She sleeps well. She has no worries. No concerns. No thoughts about her home and her family life. She sleeps well at night. And so not only is this woman an honorable wife and an honorable homemaker, but third, number three, and we'll go through these quickly, she's an honorable giver. She's an honorable giver. Look at verse 20. She extends her hand to the, board, to the poor and she stretches out her hands to the needy. She didn't just care for her home, but she also cared for her neighbor. As one commentator says, her home extended out into the community. She managed her home well, and then it went out into the community. And she reached out to her neighbors and those who were poor and needed help. She worked so hard in her home as a wife and a homemaker that her hard work then bled out into the community as well, and she was then able to take care of those who had need. She could take meals to those who needed a meal. She had compassion on the poor. She was an honorable giver. Number four, fourth characteristic, she's an honorable mother. She's an honorable mother. Look at verse 21. She's not afraid of the snow for her household, for all her household are clothed with scarlet. Now this is where we relate, right? She's not afraid of the snow. She's not afraid of the winter. Why? Because this woman has planned ahead. She knows that winter is coming, and so she's not afraid of winter. Winter is coming, and she's made sure that her husband and her children, and possibly even her servants, all had warm clothes to wear. They were well taken care of. She made them clothes from the wool that she had purchased. And normally that wool, when you would get the wool, it would be white. But notice what color wool her household wore. Notice. What color? Scarlet. They had scarlet wool. A, a deep red. That's what she put onto her family. Why did she do this? Well, not only because darker colors retain heat, but also because she cared about how her family looked. She cared about how her family looked. She wanted them to have the best. She wanted them to look beautiful. And she made sure that they had well-made clothing that kept them warm. She cared for her family. And she even made clothing for herself. Look at what it says in verse 22. She makes coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. This woman here, is an elegant woman. She's an elegant woman. 
Her clothing was fine linen and purple. Purple being the color of what? Royalty. Is she a queen? No. Is she a royal family? No. But she knew how to present herself in society. She's an elegant woman. John Kitchen again says, she knows how to take care of herself and present herself appropriately for her station in life. Now, John Kitchen, in his commentary, he goes on and he asks a good question. He asks this, has this woman, in presenting herself in this way, violated the principles of modesty and appropriateness later found in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3? Does she violate this? Answer, not at all. The New Testament passages call women to not neglect the development of their inner life. Something this woman clearly has not failed in, as we see in verse, we'll see in verse 30, where it says this woman is one who fears the Lord. The warning there in, in 1 Timothy 2 and 1 Peter 3, the warning there is not simply against outward adornment, but outward adornment without inner substance. Here she wears clothing appropriate to her God-given station in life and wears it, listen, with dignity and Humility. This woman knows how to express her beauty. And especially her beauty and loveliness to her husband. She dresses in fine linen. Look at verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing and she smiles at the future. She didn't just focus, though, on her outer beauty. She also focused on her inner beauty. The clothing here is a metaphor for her inner beauty as she wears strength and dignity. Her strength comes from her relationship with God, as we're going to see in verse 30. That's where her strength comes from. And dignity here refers to honor. She had a good name and a good reputation amongst others. This was because of the woman that she was on the inside, because of her character, because of her devotion to God. And she worked hard, and she did what was pleasing in God's eyes. Look at verse 27. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. She cares about the well-being of her home. She wasn't lazy and idle in her home, but she worked hard to care for her household, for her children, and for her husband. And then what do her children do? Look at verse 28. Her children rise up and bless her. Her children rise up and bless her. Her children saw how amazing their mother was. She's an amazing woman. What's interesting is a compliment like this would be uncommon for younger children. For young children to rise up and say this to their mother would be very uncommon for children in these days. Even in our own days, little kids. You have young children, you know they don't rise up and bless you. <laughs> but this woman is so honorable and so lovely and so amazing as a mother that they show it in their posture as they rise up 
and they show it in their speech as they bless her. They rise up and they bless her because she is an excellent mother. She's poured her life into her children and she's reared these wise children and now she reaps the rewards of raising these children and they bless her. And where do they learn the blessing of their mother from? Notice from their father. They learn it from their father. Notice the second half of verse 28. Her husband also, and he praises her saying, many daughters have done nobly, but you excel them all. You're the best. You're the best amongst women. This husband has found a virtuous and valuable and honorable wife. And he tells his wife that she is the best above all women. What a compliment. He praises her for her hard work that she's done in the home and all the things that she has done to raise their children. She's priceless. And she's deserving of this praise from her husband because of the hard work that she does. And so she's an honorable wife, an honorable homemaker, an honorable giver, an honorable mother. Fifth, she's an honorable teacher. Look at verse 26. She opens her mouth in wisdom. And the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. This is a wise woman who teaches her children. Look, children don't just learn in the classroom at school. They learn the greatest lessons in life in the home. In the home. And this woman is a wise woman because she not only teaches her children, but she also lives out what she teaches. They see it in their mother. She doesn't just tell them to fear God. She does fear God. And they see this in their mother. What does she teach them? She doesn't just teach them wisdom, but that word teaching there in verse 26, the word teaching there is the word Torah in Hebrew. Torah. It's the word for the law or the Old Testament scriptures. What does she teach them? She teaches them God's law. She teaches them the word of God. And she does it with kindness so that they will receive it. It's not only a father's job to teach the children, but it's also a mother's job to teach the children. Solomon reiterated this all the way back at the beginning of Proverbs. In Proverbs 1.8, he tells his very own son, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Because it's a duty of a mother to teach her children. And this honorable woman does that. And so she's an honorable teacher. Finally, Point number six, she's an honorable Christian. She's an honorable Christian. Look at verse 30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her the product of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. We come to the end of this amazing proverb and Lemuel's mother now reveals to us 
the source of this woman's virtue. The source of this woman's virtue. Notice this woman was one who did what? She fears the Lord. She fears the Lord. She's a believer. And she loves the Lord. And she fears him. Look, charm will only hold up so long. And beauty will fade. But the beauty of a woman who fears the Lord will last forever. That will last forever. Now, don't think that Lemuel is denouncing physical beauty. He's not. He's not denouncing it here. But he's saying that there is much more to a woman than just physical beauty. Above everything else, she is to be a godly woman, a woman who fears the Lord. And what will be the result of a woman who lives like this? Look at what Lemuel says. Give her the product of her hands. Literally, the fruit of her hands. The idea here is that she is being rewarded by God for her faithfulness throughout her life to her family. Give it to her. She deserves it all because she has been faithful to her home. Give her the fruit of her hands. Praise this woman for all the hard work that she has done, the hard work and the labor that this woman has done in her home. She's an honorable woman, and we need to praise her. Listen, ladies, it may be hard work now, but in the end, God will reward the godly women. God will reward godly women for how they honor him in their life. Ladies, let me close with this and encourage you with this this morning. Don't listen to society. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. The enemy is telling you not to fulfill the design and the role that God has for you as godly women. He's telling you to abandon everything that God tells you to manage and to care for. Don't listen to the lies of the enemy. Listen to the truth of God's word. Listen to what God says to you and how God has designed you and what God's role is for you in the family. It's an honorable, honorable task. And we as a church need to uplift you more we as a church need to honor you more. We as a church need to love you more and care for you more because it is an honorable task that God has given to you. What a valuable thing it is to be a woman of God as you live his design for your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth of your word. And Lord, I know that this is going against the grain because the enemy has infiltrated even our churches. 
and has lied to our women. And it breaks my heart to think about the lies that both men and women, husbands and wives, have embraced and how it destroys families. Because husbands and wives are not fulfilling the duties that you have called them to. Father, I pray for every woman here. I pray for those who are unmarried. I pray that you would bring them a godly husband. A godly husband who would understand what the role of a wife is. That he would provide for his family. That he would guard and protect his family. That he would love his family and his wife. I pray that you would prepare the hearts of these women now to be godly wives and godly mothers in the future. Lord, I pray for those who are married, those who are wives and mothers. I pray for them as wives that you would help them to love their husbands to desire their husbands, to submit to their husbands, and to do what it is that you've called them to do in that marriage union. I pray for them as mothers. I pray that you, Father, would grow them in motherhood, that they would raise their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord that they would love their children and point their children to Christ, that they would be faithful to you in the home, and that you would be glorified in their families. Father, I pray for those whose children have left the home. I pray for those women who are here, who are, as Titus 2 says, are the older women, that they would... Encourage the younger women to live out these truths in their families and that they would live out these truths in their own home as they're devoted to their home, to serve their home as you've called them to do. Father, we thank you for this amazing truth. Pray that you would guard and protect these women against the lies of the enemy. And that you would give them a desire and a hunger to obey these truths that we have heard here this morning for your glory and your glory alone. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.